going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. This is a story we came upon uh, was a couple of days ago, and I said we got to raise this with our listeners because I'm really interested in your viewpoints, and you've probably heard it on the news. It came out of the UK, a mum on Good Morning Britain, talking about how she thinks it's the responsible thing to do to start offering alcohol to her children around the ages of 13, 14, just in small amounts. And she believes that they will be more responsible when it comes to getting older, when they are of legal age. And and I've had friends who have done this as well. In fact, I remember my parents, every now and then when we'd have a Christmas dinner, they'd let us sip some Blue Nun. I don't know what it was about Blue Nun. <laughs> maybe it was our Catholic upbringing. But Blue Nun wine, and 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 maybe the whole idea was it's going to be so bad they won't try it. But maybe just here, you know, take away some of the mystery when it comes to alcohol. 403-974-8255. Definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. You can text or call. Want to introduce, though, Esme Fuller-Thompson, nursing and social work professor at the University of Toronto. She actually researches underage drinking. Esme, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Angela. What was your initial reaction when you heard the story of the the mom in Britain offering small amounts of alcohol to her children in their early teens? Um, To tell you honestly, distress. That Mm. was my reaction. I I mean, I'm sure this woman has... All all moms are trying to do their best for their children, but I think this was not a very logical conclusion. Uh, In the uh, clip when she's talking on the television show, she talks about the fact that she's got um, a family history of alcoholism. Her mother was an alcoholic. And so the idea, people with a family history of alcoholism have a predisposition or a greater likelihood of developing it themselves. The earlier you start drinking, the more likely you are to become an alcoholic. So if you start drinking before the age of 15, you are four times as likely to become an alcoholic as if you waited till you're 2021 to start drinking. So, you know, the idea of providing your child with alcohol and basically um, saying that that behavior is okay in small doses. I I get it that she's not binge drinking and getting drunk with the kids, thank Mm -hmm. goodness. But there's not any literature to support that that's a good idea. There's a fair amount of research to support that it's not a good idea. I'm I'm glad you differentiated because there's one thing when you say starting drinking at an early age and maybe giving a child... um, uh, half a glass of wine once a year at Christmas time, but you're saying even that idea of a little bit of wine once a year is a bad idea. Well, um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving did a survey of adolescents about what, well, who was the most important in making their decisions about drinking or not drinking. And I know we all think it's our peers, and peers are important, but 70% said their parents were the most important influence one way or the other. So certainly our behavior as parents 
whether we're, we drink responsibly, whether we drink to excess. Those types of things are very important. But also, if we're giving a message that really do not drink underage, it's illegal, it's, it has very serious long-term consequences, your brain is still forming all the way up to your 25. So to put a known neurotoxin in your head um, and really has very significant long-term outcomes. If you give that message to your children, now some of them may choose not to follow it, but you're giving them a message that you're concerned about them and that this behavior is something that you think could cause harm to them. I wonder, though, does it take kind of the mystery away from this? Because I, I find whenever we say don't do something, a child wants to know why, and they're going to take the first opportunity to try it. Well, okay, there's two points to what you raise. One is they want to know why. So just the blanket statement, don't because I say so, doesn't work in any Good. form of parenting behavior. So yes. I'm sure it's not going to work here. Yeah. But the it's very important that we have open discussions. We're concerned. We're, you know, you saw your grandmother die a very unpleasant death. You have a natural predisposition because you have my genes and you have her genes. And so we'd like you to be as careful as possible about drinking, drinking responsibility, and putting off drinking as long as possible because your brain is still forming. That's the discussion to have, not that because I said so, you know, it's right. a discussion. And even so, even not saying the don't, ha- don't, do so, don't do it because I say so, what about just the fact mom is drinking? Wait, so mom, you're saying we have a history of alcoholism and you're telling me put it off as long as possible, but you're enjoying a glass, a glass of wine at Christmas. All right. Well, you know what? Honestly, a glass of wine at Christmas isn't going to be the major issue. But, mm. the, but it, you know, excessive drinking is a problem. And, and children feel uncomfortable at any age seeing their parents out of control. So that's more of an issue. But right. the idea of uh, then you have this discussion back and forth and you say, luckily, I seem to have dodged that bullet. Mm-hmm. I didn't seem to inherit the, exactly the same genes, but I only drink moderate, moderately. I don't drink very much. I'm very careful not to have more than two drinks on occasion. I never drink and drive, and here's why. Those kind of discussions, that's what we should be having with our children at a fairly young age. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, before this comes up. The whole thing about, uh, I mean, she said, I know they're going to be drinking underage. Well, you know, the situation in Canada is that the majority of grade 7 to grade 12 students have not had any alcohol in the last year. I know it seems bizarre, and in my but when you're youth, saying majority, I think that makes sense. Uh, when you say the majority haven't have not had yeah. a sip, have not had a glass of alcohol. Yeah. That include, I mean, most people, most people are saying, I think my children, the people who who provide alcohol to their children, and uh, are saying, well, they're going to drink anywhere. I want to keep them safe, mm-hmm. but in fact, you have only forty two percent of kids who have had any alcohol. The majority have not. So if when your kid says, oh, everybody's drinking, A, they're lying, (laughs) and B, don't provide them with alcohol because then you're you're sort of uh, feeding into that frenzy. So Mm. when they they did a survey a couple years ago with um, CAMH, which is the Center for Addictions and Mental Health of Youth, and they found that almost half of kids who were drinking, they asked where they got their alcohol, and their usual supplier were family members. Mm. Now, that could be an older sibling, but in some places, it's a parent who, um, to me, has come to a, the wrong conclusion about, you know, keeping kids safe. Because if the majority of people are not drinking, 
then why does your kid have to? You know, they don't just have to fit in. That's changed since when I was a teenager. In the 70s, the, the drinking rates were much higher. The binge drinking rates were much higher, and the drinking and driving rates were much higher. I mean, we've, we've made great progress on drinking and driving and on, on people not um, not initiating drinking. But the issue is when teens drink, they disproportionately drink out of control, which we call binge drinking, which would be five drinks on one go. That is not sipping a Chardonnay at dinner. That is drinking to get yeah. drunk, right? Right. And so we, we see those statistics. So I, it sounds like you're saying, well, just have this conversation. Make sure you're talking constantly to your kids about the, the downside of it, because eventually your kids are going to leave home and they may end up moving out on their own or going to post-secondary. And we know, I've talked to enough campuses where they're concerned about the binge drinking. So what are we missing here that we're trying to keep it away from them, trying to tell them about the downside of alcohol, and yet they turn around when they're legal age here in Alberta, 18, 19, and other provinces, and they go crazy? Some do. Yes, they do, and it, it's unfortunate. And um, so, you, but so you don't think, age, Esme, you don't think there's an issue with binge drinking on campuses? No, I think there's a huge issue. Yeah. But the question is, does is that is that in reaction to the fact that I didn't let my four kids drink at home until they were eighteen? Mm-hmm. My guess is no, because if you look at France, where kids do drink, you know, they have they have wine or or an alcoholic cider or something at fairly young ages. Um, their their rates of binge drinking in youth is, are higher, and their rates of drink binge drinking as, as adults are higher. Mm. So it's not as though this gentle introduction to alcohol um, under the careful watch of mom and dad uh, prohibits risk-taking behavior about drinking. It does not. In fact, it appears to encourage it. Esme, let's take a break here. Um, Esme Fuller-Thompson is my guest, and we are talking about that. Well, it came up this week where this mom in Britain, but it's not the first time we've ever talked about whether or not you should give your younger children, this was 13 and 14 in this case, uh, a small amount of alcohol, a way to introduce them to be more responsible when they do become of age when it comes to drinking. 403-974-8255, getting lots of great texts. Keep the texts coming. At 3.30, I'm definitely going to open up the phone lines. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Back with Esme after this. Talking about when, well, when you should allow your child to drink alcohol. Esme Fuller-Thompson, nursing and social work professor at the University of Toronto, also has researched underage drinking. Esme, I'm glad you mentioned that you were a teenager in the 70s because we can relate to each other. And and I'd like to think that so much has changed since the 70s. You've done the research into underage drinking. We're now hearing, in a perfect world, don't touch alcohol or marijuana until you're 25. Is Does that line up with your research? Um, for brain development, definitely, but maybe that's not reality yeah. in, in North America. So why not at least follow the legal obligations and, and wait till eighteen or nineteen, depending on what province you're in. But, but the, the later you wait and the less you consume, yeah. the better it is. There's been some research saying um, this is on veterans in the U.S. So people who drank heavily in their late teens, early 20s, and they're following them in their 40s, and they're still at higher risk for depression. That Mm. basically your brain's forming, you're putting in toxic substances, 
and it has long-term consequences that even when you this is people who've stopped drinking 15 20 years earlier or certainly modified dramatically and they're still vulnerable so there, we know the risk for the immediate risks for um you know alcohol poisoning for drunk driving all of those are huge yeah. and in fact more kids in the U.S. die from alcohol-related causes every year than all of the illegal drugs put together. Mm. You know, Esme, I think it's it's such a societal thing that sometimes I have a hard time getting my head around because when I was growing up, I knew all about the harmful effects of cigarettes, and I chose not to smoke because, you know, you're going to get lung cancer, you're going to get other types of cancer, but then you look at some of the health impacts of alcohol not just the health impacts, the societal impacts. Alcohol is really, if we were honest, is a terrible thing. And yet our society accepts it. So I wonder if all that education we did around smoking, that we have to start thinking about doing similar education around alcohol. Oh, absolutely. And we've let big alcohol get away with a ton. I mean, uh, big alcohol. Finally, you're right. we, exactly. Okay. I mean, we basically they 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 sign on to say drink responsibly, and we say, okay, yeah, you're fine. But yeah. why are they advertising? Yes. Like, why are they advertising? They're advertising with sports and glamour and all kinds of things that are very attractive to yeah, youth. I We've know. done so much better with kids smoking since we stopped letting camels, yeah. animated camels pitch to them, right? Yeah. You know? So when you think about it, we really haven't thought it through. We've let them off the hook, and they, it, they shouldn't be advertising that's aiming for children. The number of pro-alcohol beer advertisements, but also just every time you see a beer hat on somebody or a Molson's t-shirt on somebody, all of that is advertising and children are exposed to it very, right. very high levels. Oh yeah, we've done many shows on how, well you call it big alcohol, but I would agree that the advertising rules are so different for alcohol compared to cigarettes. Uh, I've got yeah. I've got a texter here saying, Ange, yeah. she must then advocate for cannabis consumption over alcohol. It's not addictive. Esme, have you done any look into cannabis? Yes, I have, and it's (laughs) terribly addictive. And if you start using cannabis before the age of 16, your risk of um, schizophrenia is huge. I have no idea why moms aren't stepping forward and saying, hey, wait, what's this craziness about legalization? I'm totally fine with decriminalization. Do you want a kid to have a lifelong record for Mm -hmm. poking? But legalizing, we've we know it's terrible for you. We know it's bad. We know it's associated with being less. If you start at younger ages, you're more likely to not complete um, high school. There appears we start at young ages that you lose IQ and it doesn't come back. What else would we ever tolerate our children doing that would actually decrease their IQ and decrease their their likelihood of getting through high school and university? And we're thinking it's okay. I, you know, Please. Esme, I, I, I know what you're saying and I know I'm going to get a whole bunch to texters saying, wait, that doesn't make sense. They've disputed the the research into schizophrenia. It seems, and I think here's the other issue with, with cannabis, that we just, every time there's one research that says one thing, I have been inundated with other research that says the complete opposite. Do you think as we move towards legalization, we'll have more research, more thorough research, so that we aren't disputing one researcher against another, it seems. Oh, well, 
I don't know. The stuff I'm quoting it comes from Denmark, where they looked at every 18-year-old recruit. Who, so this is every male in Denmark, and they followed them. And if they used if they used uh, um, cannabis, and the more they used, their risk of schizophrenia was higher. These are these are not like a sample of 14 yeah. students. And this I is think. men, though, right? I mean, this is where we hear more about young men with schizophrenia. I don't hear the same thing about young women. Um, the, probably because we don't have the samples. Well, you need large samples because yeah. schizophrenia, luckily, is relatively rare. But in general, there's pretty solid evidence that um, uh, marijuana use is associated with anxiety disorders. We're already having an epidemic of anxiety disorders. Do we want to add this to the mix? Mm. Uh, People so, take marijuana for anxiety. Well, they also smoke for for anxiety, but it turns out if you stop smoking, your anxiety levels go down. Mm. So, I mean, it's a false... It's And also, to say nothing of the cascade of negative life events that tend to cause anxiety because you didn't get your schoolwork done, you didn't get to school, all of these things. Yeah. So, Esme, I've got to wrap up. So what are, your, what are your closing thoughts then? Because I know we started talking about alcohol, and you can't help but branch off to other substances as well. But in this case... Uh, parents listening, what what's your advice to parents as we try to do our best to launch our kids to be responsible drinkers? Because it's legal. I'd say talk, 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 and model exactly what you want for your child. Talk, but so, don't preach. Uh, talk, conversation. Yeah. This is why I think it's this. This is why I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I have a mother who's an alcoholic. You're at risk. Um, and here's the later you delay drinking, the better, pro- the the lower probability that you have of becoming an alcoholic. And that would break my heart if you became an alcoholic. That's the conversation. We need to be the adults in the room. They don't need more pals. They need parents. Yeah. Esme, thanks so much for starting the conversation. Appreciate it. Um, my pleasure. Thank As- you. You bet. Bye-bye. Esme Fuller-Thompson, nursing and social work professor at the University of Toronto. So she threw out quite a few things. I don't like it when a parent says, you'll break my heart if you do it. We heap enough guilt on our kids. I would agree with her, though, that, you know, start having the conversation. I think that makes sense. Um, Despite the fact I told you that my parents every now and then let us try some blue nun, I never did with my kids. Uh, But I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I'm the shining example, because it was my son when he was 15 and we're driving in a car. And he said, Mom, I've tried a cider. And I was just so thankful he shared that with me. I, I love cars for that reason, because your eyes are facing forward. You're not looking at your mom or your son. They don't see your reaction. You're trying to be calm and say, all right, here's a teaching moment. You know you're not of age. I don't encourage it. I know there's probably a lot of pressure. Here's what you do when you're in these situations. But yeah, I think it's a tough thing. And I, I understand, I can I can understand where this mom from Britain is coming from. I don't have to agree with her, but she's it's not as if she is encouraging them to drink every weekend. It says she's offering them small doses of alcohol at home. Wow, it's a tough one. And I want to hear from you. 403-974-8255. Lots of texts already coming in. I also want to hear from you on the phone because I think this is another one where texts don't always do justice to a, a real story and a real situation when it comes to 
how you have dealt with it with your kids, how your parents dealt with it with you. I, I would agree. Things have changed since as Esme and I were in our teens in the 70s. We know a lot more. Uh, there's a whole huge awareness over drinking and driving, everything like that. So I want to have that conversation after the news. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to 770 CHQR. It's Calgary Today. Hello, William. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. What are your thoughts on this or your experience when it comes to underage oh, drinking? Oh, God, you have no idea what I went through as a child. <laughs> and what's that? It's, it's a, well, it's it's a long story, but I'll try to make it brief. Um, alcoholic family. Yeah. Growing up in Montreal, wartime housing. So all the soldiers coming back, basically. Yeah. And uh, a lot of alcohol as a child growing up. Mm-hmm. So I seen the, the, I seen what it can do. It's, it's destructive nature. Yeah. And, um, and then it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's really rather sad. Not, it's just not funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I watched most of my family, uh, just deteriorate down into, you know, various stages of anger, uh, you know, just not understanding. Yeah. And uh, pissed off with everything, always fighting. And um, so I never drank. I didn't drink drink probably until I hit 17, maybe 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And way too easy to get. Way too easy to yeah. get. <laughs> I mean, if you couldn't get it, you could just ask somebody on the street back in those days, hey, man, can you give me a bottle? Right. Well, what do you like? Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Here's Here's 20 bucks. And uh, I mean, it's a little stricter today and nowadays with the, you know, the age limit of 18. I mean, I, I don't think anybody should be drinking until they're in their 20s. Yeah, yeah. To tell you the truth. So, I mean, I went through a lot of it and it deterred me from it, seeing the, the bad effects of it. Did you have you kids, know? William? I'm sorry? Do you have kids? No. Hmm. Uh, but if I did, I, would, I wouldn't, wouldn't give them anything to drink ever. Ever. Hmm. Not a, not a chance because it just makes it makes people, good people into bad people. Yeah, I, I, they don't need, and they don't even know it. Yeah, and I mean not even what they're what it's happening when you're drinking to excess. Now I you know because uh, this is Wine Wednesday, everyone's going to call me a hypocrite, but I do have Wine <laughs> Wednesday, and I do enjoy a glass every now and then. But I think we also have to find out more, and we have to learn more about. We are putting a poison in our body. I know I'm going to get a lot of textures mad about that one, <laughs> William. Uh, thanks for sharing the story and uh, tough decision for you to make, but you saw it with your own eyes. So good for you, uh, William, sharing his story on his relationship with alcohol. Uh, uh, let's get to Darwin. Hey, Darwin. Hi. Hi. What's your story? My problem is with sugar. Does alcohol or pot have 60% obesity rates, destruction, child abuse? Sugar is more addicting than heroin or cocaine. It's more destructive, and it's all about the dollar and making yeah. money. So, but, I got- Darwin, but do you think when you say destructive, yeah, to the body and to the healthcare system, I completely agree with that. But do we talk about societal issues that we see with excessive alcohol? When we when we see courts jammed with people who drank too much and who fought and uh, domestic abuse and I was getting to that. Okay, that's the solution. Sugar can be mitigated by just forcing the companies for every two two teaspoons of sugar put in two teaspoons of fiber. So it's like eating an orange as such. 
if money were spent on a solution or a mitigation, the same with alcohol and the same with pot, education and mitigation, we wouldn't get to those places. I don't drink. My son didn't follow and become an alcoholic or anything. It just wasn't around. It wasn't Mm -hmm. an issue. Yeah. Um, Okay, Darwin, but I was just saying you would agree, though, when we talk about destructive behavior, alcohol is worse than sugar. Okay. Wait. Well, okay, Darwin. Uh, we'll disagree on that one, and, and his phone's breaking up too. And I got so many calls to get to. 